this is episode 752 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for Friday, December 25th, 2020. That's right, it's Christmas Day for those who celebrate Christmas. I don't like Christmas, don't need to get into that. But if you are celebrating, I hope you're having a very lovely holiday. Hopefully not going out and seeing a bunch of family, even though I know you'd like to. And I'd like you to be able to do that too, but you know, given what's going on in the world, you could skip Christmas for a year, do a little video call or whatnot. You don't need to go in person right now. But anyway, I am Marcus Nez, and I will be talking about on this here episode, Override 2, Super Mech League, Super Sports Blast, Calico, Neoverse, Wingspan, Arizona Sunshine, Museum Town, and maybe a little bit more. Maybe some NBA 2K21 as well. And I'm going to start off, though, before I get to all that, with this project I've been working on. And to call it a project is a bit of a stretch because it's not really an important thing in any stretch of the imagination. But after my hard drive that had all my movies on it started to fail, where I, I keep my movies for Plex, my Plex server... I looked into how to better organize my files because with MP4s, the data, the metadata that I write to the file, that is always read by the Plex server. They don't have a problem reading the post art that I attach to the file or the description or any of that jazz. But with MKV files, they do don't read any of that. Maybe they get the description, but I, I know that they don't get the posters from that. And it was annoying having to go through and redo everything or, or to one by one select manually the correct poster for a lot of movies. And why this is a problem for me is that while I do use MP4s, universally, I do use MKVs for anime or anything that has multiple language tracks. So if there is, even with a a live action thing, if there's an English dub and then the native language with subtitles, I'm going to make an MKV because that's the only way, like MP4s, you can only burn in the subtitles. You can't have it so they are selectable and that is annoying if I want to watch it in any other language, especially for English. Like, I don't want these subtitles that are not the same as the English audio I'm hearing. And so I have been, or I, I, a while ago, I redid all my anime movies and my series in the MKV format. But when I had to move everything over to a new hard drive, and then it had to, Plex had to recheck everything. It didn't automatically notice that, oh, these things all have these posters to them. So I started doing it one by one. I was like, there's got to be a better solution to this. There has to be a way for it to get the poster without me having to do this. Because if I had to do this again, I'd have to go through this entire process. And it's just annoying. And there were some movies, just regular MP4s, that weren't being 
read and i was just like what is why are these movies i think there was like a fair amount of even mp4 so i i don't know what the whole thing is but when i searched and found on the plex official site their guidelines or whatever for sorting everything i went from just having every file out in a movie folder an anime folder etc and then the title of it and then parentheses the year of its release what they recommend doing and what I, I started doing is putting each movie file in its own folder with the title and the, the, the date of release. And then inside the folder, you put a file just titled poster. You don't put the name of the movie or anything in it. No descriptor, just poster. And if you want the background art for when you click onto a movie to see the description and everything, uh, you title that as fan art. Again, no name of the movie. So I went through the process of doing that for over 1,200 movies and then changing the title of all the posters to just poster because I had the titles of the the movie in them because I had them all in just one big folder. So I obviously couldn't have a bunch of files with the same name on them. And then I decided, you know what? If I'm going to go all in, I'm going to do the background on for all these. So I went through the process of Googling wallpapers for all of these movies and formatting them to 1080p uh, to just, you know, 1920 by 1080. And that was an exceptionally long process. And I don't know if it's ultimately worth it, but my OCD neurotic dumb self said I had to do it. And this past week I said, I need to stop dragging my feet and just doing it slowly here and there and just power through it. I have a bit of a cushion with Attack the Backlog. I have still two episodes completed and, and ready to upload whenever I need them, you know, when the day comes. And two other episodes that are in the later areas of the editing process. So I've got a decent cushion there. So I just took a break from playing games for that and finish that and it, it was when i got the last one and it was all done i was i was so relieved it was so nice very very happy to be done with that but yeah that's pretty much the only bit of not exciting non-gaming or movie related news to talk about i did order my father a racing wheel for christmas because we were talking about racing games and it just got me thinking you know what I think he would really like a racing wheel. So I ordered that and it was quite the adventure, the journey for ordering it and the the dates that I was getting. So when I ordered it, I got him the Logitech G920 because it's 250 right now. And I'm assuming because they refreshed it with the 923, it, it originally went for 400, but when I ordered it, it said the estimated delivery date was around January 21st. Then in the middle of the night of the day I ordered it, I got a new email saying that the new estimated delivery date was December 27th. Still not before Christmas, but what are you going to do? I, I ordered it very late in the process. And then later that morning, I got another email telling me it was shipped and it was going to arrive December 24th, Christmas Eve, the the day of this recording. 
Spoilers, I'm recording this on Thursday. So yeah, that was quite the little adventure. It's like, oh, this is gonna, this is not gonna show up for a while. Oh, it's just gonna show up a few days after Christmas. Oh, it's gonna show up the day before Christmas. Great, wonderful. And it's currently on its way here. Hopefully, I don't hear a doorbell during this this podcast. It'll be, I, it just better be in a box, box. Even though I don't live anywhere where people typically rob you. But uh, yeah, let's get on to what I've been playing. So, Override 2 Super Mech League is a game about giant robots beating the crap out of each other in relatively small environments that are fairly destructible, containing a decent amount of buildings and stuff that are specifically meant to be able to be picked up and thrown at each other. You can pick up your fellow mechs and throw them around. There are various combo moves and stuff like that. And it's it's a good time. It definitely wants you to play with other people because every single mode from the story campaign-ish mode, which is called Leagues, to everything else, it tries to get you in with regular people first. And if it doesn't, it'll just put you in a game with bots. Or you can say, no, I just I don't want to even wait to see if I can find a match. Just put me in with bots right away. And I like it. I, I do think it's better than the first game. I think it's a bit tighter, but still, I don't know. There's something a little bit missing about it. And I don't know what that is. I think the camera can get a little crazy at times. I do recommend, even though this may not have done anything, but it felt like it was a better overall experience when I turned off in the settings manual lock pitch tracking. When I turned that off, it felt like the camera didn't just spin out like crazy as much as it did prior to that. There are 21 different mechs that are all pretty cool looking. They all, there are a lot of unique designs. They all have their own special abilities and various combos. The, the, the game is fun to control. I, I think that the, the, it works best when it's a one-on-one fight because you can do one-on-one, two-on-two, or a four-player free-for-all. And I find that with a four-player free-for-all, it is just way too hectic for anyone to actually do anything. Like It might be fun to just see this giant mess happening on screen, but to try and actually be strategic or anything like that it is just an absolute mess but one-on-one feels really good i i don't think i actually tried two-on-two but one-on-one it definitely seems like the 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 highlight and yeah there's quick play which is exactly what it sounds like leagues which is this story campaign mode type of thing where you rank up in leagues and you, for every match you play in one of three different types, you can pick one-on-one, two-on-two, or the free-for-all, and they'll have their various objectives. You get a little bit of currency, some coins for participating, and then if you complete a specific objective like blocking five times or picking up an enemy and throwing them five times or something of that ilk, you'll get some bonus points as well, and then if you end up winning the match, you get double the points. So... I do appreciate that you get points, your your coins for just playing the match that you don't need to win. And there's a light story to that with this like woman who is 
trying to help you out or whatever. I, I just skipped all that. It, it was very uninteresting as to kind of be expected. But then you have versus training and training mode just feels like a way for you to mess around and get a feel for, for a mech. But it wasn't, I kind of expected a little bit more from the training mode. And then you have a garage where you can customize your various mechs because when you start your campaign, your story thing, you have access to like, in like the versus and the more arcadey things, you have access to all 21 mechs right off the bat. But in the campaign, the leagues mode, you have access to, I think, six. But you can purchase any mech for that mode in the garage. And after you purchase them, you can customize them. You can customize their face, their arms, and I think their legs. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a fun time, but... I, I do think it's a game only worth getting if you know you'll have a friend to play with because online isn't that populated right now. It is a brand new release, of course, so there is that. It is optimized for X and for the series consoles. Don't know how so. I, I, don't, I don't feel like the loading time is like blistering fast or anything, but like it's it's something there. It seemed to run. Fine. I, I didn't notice any drops when a lot of things were happening on screen, so there's that uh, on the Series X. But I do think this is only for people who know they'll have another person to play with because I, I played a little bit with a friend and that was enjoyable. And, and even playing with a random person online, depending on the skill level, if we were on equal footing, it was enjoyable. But the first game I played, I got destroyed and that was not fun at all. But why I say it's really only for people who will be able to play with other people they know is that the AI in the game is absolute shit. You can't adjust it. There aren't various AI difficulties. You can't be like, okay, I want easy bots, medium bots, hard bots. If there is, I did not find that setting. And the bots are just incredibly stupid. They will get, and you know, maybe part of it is just they will get stuck on geometry or not be able to get to you. Like they'll be running into walls at times and they just, they are prone to taking the same combo from you over and over. Like, they don't seem to adapt to your play style or know any way of countering or dealing with any kind of situation. They basically just are there and at times will come up to you but not attack immediately. So it just seems like they are meant to be fodder and not an actual threat. Uh, you know, so that is a little bit frustrating because there is such a small community playing right now. But yeah, that is Override 2 Super Mech League. Uh, and I think it's on everything, but I'm playing it on Series X. I'm playing everything on Series X except for Wingspan. Then there's Super Sports Blast, which is a standalone compilation of the three super sports games, I believe they're just called the super sports games, that came out over the last whatever years for Xbox One and PlayStation 4 and all that jazz that include volleyball, tennis, and soccer. And it is standalone in that it's, it's a, 
a package of all three games together, and it does have its own unique achievement set or trophy set. So it's not just like you're buying a bundle package with them. It is its own release that has them all in, in one game. And they're not bad sans the soccer. I think in order of best to worst, it goes volleyball, tennis, and then soccer. Volleyball is pretty fun. Once you get a hang of things, it's a little bit more complicated control-wise than I was expecting just because I figured, oh, this will be really simple, but you have to jump and then hit the ball to like spike and stuff like that or to do a jumping serve. I, I thought it would just be like two clicks of the same button or whatever, but there's they're separate buttons. So that's a little bit interesting, but the, the volleyball, once I got a hang of the controls, Felt really good. I enjoyed that quite a bit. And it has a very cartoony art style too. And then the tennis was okay. Not bad. But you and the AI opponents you're playing with or the person you're playing against, it it seems like you can get to the ball even if you're on the opposite end of the court all the time so frequently but even if you don't like the weird thing about the game that frustrates me, even though it, it doesn't affect the game play or anything like that, it doesn't hurt you, is that if a ball bounces twice, of course, that is a lost point you lost if you let the ball bounce twice. But in Super Sports Tennis, the AI player, or if it's you in this case, will still, if you were charging up to hit the ball and you just didn't get there in time, they will still hit it after the second bounce and hit it back like it was good. And it's only the fact that on the screen it says, you know, they lost a point or that it was out or this or that, that you know that the the point is dead and you, you won. And that's just a little weird. It feels like they should just have something in place that if, if it bounces twice, the ball just is dead and can't be hit. And it's just weird to constantly be getting these returns that aren't actually a thing because that wouldn't happen in real tennis. So that's a little weird. And then soccer is just not fun. Surprisingly challenging for these arcadey games. Like I feel like the FIFA and PES games are more casual friendly. It, it just felt like I, I was dealing with more of an uphill battle and it seems like that one is more broken than any of the other ones. Not that I think the other ones are broken in any way, but like the first goal I got scored against me was when the opponent shot uh, the ball on me and, and the, the goalkeeper caught it. And then when I was going to throw the ball out to one of my players, instead it just magically, he he, he didn't turn around or anything, the ball just went backwards behind him and into the goal, and the goalie just threw the ball very fast, like a fastball, into his own goal. And that was weird, but I just didn't enjoy the soccer game at all. But I do really like the volleyball game, and tennis is solid. Not not amazing or anything, but decent. Then Calico is this game about cats and having a little cat shop and all this stuff. And it's cute. Sure, I love cats. But I don't know about it on other platforms. On the Series X, 
It is a janky fucking mess. And one of the most surprising things to me is that the second floor of your shop, when you go up there, the frame rate drops like crazy. And I don't mean like it drops to like 25, 20. Like it feels like, I, I don't have the actual numbers, but it sure feels like it drops into the teens on the Series X in this game that has cute painterly visuals, but is by no means a graphical powerhouse. Like nobody would look at this game and be like, man, that game looks great. You're like, oh, that game looks cute, but it's also kind of ugly. But the fact that it was chugging when I went up into my second floor that just had, you know, a, a few bits of furniture in it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? It was terrible. And then just like, I was playing with one of the cats I found and I pulled out a little toy. The toy just kind of hovers around where your hand is. Uh, you don't actually hold it. But when I was playing with the cat, the cat was just like, it looked like I was having a seizure or something. It was spazzing out. It was clipping through the ground. It was twitching. It was twisting in ways no cat has ever twisted before. And cats can twist quite a bit, but not like this. And it was kind of amusing for a second where I'm like, oh my God, this is so stupid. This is janky. This is messed up. But then just frustrating because this game has the potential to be this adorable cute wonderful little thing especially coming from someone like me who absolutely loves cats but it's just a buggy mess of a game and experience right now there's a lot of clipping through characters the environment objects buildings and stuff like that it's just it's weird and when you cook because you know you'll have to cook every now and again at your shop when you have people over whatever when you cook they transform you into a little version of yourself and you are on top of the countertop and the way you cook is to take all the ingredients of whatever you're cooking pick them up and then throw them into a bowl and when all the ingredients are in the bowl it will magically turn into the completed dish then you jump into the bowl pick it up and throw it into the finished tray or whatever and then you'll transform to your regular size self which was weird i mean there's no other way to say it, it was, it was weird but probably the most enjoyable part of the game i don't know i don't know if it was actually enjoyable it was just like oh this actually worked at least and it was kind of weird in a charming different way of of taking on cooking but calico is just this fucking mess and like i'm i think the most shocking and surprising thing is just the frame rate drops that can occur in the game given how it looks and that I'm running it on a Series X. It should not have any type any type of performance issues. And, and especially ones not as drastic as that. It, it was a really, really bad experience. Then Neoverse is a deck building game with 3D graphics displaying the action on screen. And it's basically like Slay the Spire and those types of games where you are going through this area doing a bunch of matches until you get to a boss and then you go to the next level with harder enemies and stuff like that. And I was excited about it and hopeful about it initially because I liked the premise, but when I looked at the visuals, it, it the UI, the menus, 
even the graphics and everything, the, the 3D character models and all that, there is something about it that looks like it's going to be some cheap games-as-a-service-ass game, but it is not that. There are a few, not microtransactions, but you can buy three different DLC cosmetic packs, which are pervy in nature. One isn't. One is like a cyberpunk one, not related to the game or anything. But the other two are a schoolgirl pack and a hot break pack. But that, those are the only bits of DLC, and they're like two bucks a piece. So it's not some microtransaction heavy game or anything. But when I got into it, it was a really well done deck building game. I had a lot of fun with it. There are three different characters with three different starting decks that you unlock pretty much immediately. At, at first, you'll only have one character and one of the starting decks that just get you through and, and try out the, the game. I got through on my first playthrough the first two areas and up to the boss of the third area before dying. And yeah, I, I like it a lot. There's The tutorial is just this two-minute long video or so that tells you how everything works. And it, it does the job. I was kind of surprised that there wasn't an actual playable tutorial, but that was fine. But the way it works is that you have your turn and then the opponents have their turns. And you have a certain number of, like in this game, I think it's referred to as mana. And so you have a certain number of points that you can use to play all your cards. They all have a certain number of action points they require to be played. And you have five every turn. You can upgrade skills. Like you'll, you'll get skill points that you can put into different stats. And one of them allows you to retain unused action points between turns, which I definitely highly, highly recommend. That's a very beneficial one though i found that more so in this game than in like play the spire that i always tended to use everything that there wasn't as much strategy in saving points between rounds like it, it just felt like the cards i have I, I can pretty much use them all and there is a parry system if you perfectly defend against an attack so if an enemy is going to attack you with 10 and you build up your shield to 10 points exactly when they attack and you have those 10 shield points, it'll count as a parry, which will then make it so that they are unable to do any type of action the next turn, which is a nice system. I don't I don't remember that being in Link's Play the Spire, but uh, I enjoyed that. You can combo cards together and get buffs from that. You can use items that'll do damage or whatnot. You hold three of those at a time. It's very much so of that formula, that ilk of, of other similar deck-building games. At the end of every battle, you'll get some gold, some skill points, maybe an item, and then the choice between three cards. You don't have to pick one of the cards. You can choose, if you don't like any of them, to just skip that, which is fine. But, yeah. The, the, the one, like, it's a much more streamlined experience than the other ones where like you are actually traversing a dungeon and going down different paths and only be able to access certain things if you do so like you'd only be able to upgrade your skills if you go down this path it'll have like a campfire or whatever but in neoverse you can access your skill tree 
at any point, even mid-match. You can access the store at any point, even mid-match. And you don't have to like worry about where you're going. Like you basically are always after every game, you are given three different options and it'll have like a little goal, like defend this much damage or build up this amount of armor over the course of the game, do this much damage on every one of your turns, etc., And you'll get a little bonus. Like they're, they're, they're called quests, I think. And then you get like, oh, if you do this, you'll get three skill points or you'll get to evolve one of your cards or or you'll be able to increase your health a little bit or recover 30% of your max health and stuff like that. It's a really streamlined experience. Feels pretty good with a controller. It's sometimes a little finicky when you want to switch between the characters you're attacking when you're fighting against multiple characters you have an on-screen cursor to like do more precise whatever (laughs) but you can pretty much do most of your stuff by just using the analog stick or the the d-pad to just move from thing to thing but yeah i was really surprised by how much i enjoyed it like it it is a quality one of those and i i I recommend it to anyone who likes slay the spire or similar games i believe it is on game pass i got the code for it but i do believe it is on game pass so you can try it worry free on there then wingspan is a tabletop card game this is a video game version of it uh that has been on pc for a few months or so i think and it's just made its way to switch playing the switch version and it's about birds played in four rounds and whoever has the most victory points at the end wins. The first round has eight turns and then the second round has seven turns and so on. You, you constantly lose one turn per round until the final fourth round. And The way it works is that you are gathering food in the woods, you lay eggs in the preserve, you draw cards in the wetlands, and every bird can only be played in specific habitats, and they require food costs, seed or invertebrates, which you gain by rolling dice. And there are, like, the eggs are required to place birds in additional spots, and, like, so... The thing is, I really like the look of it. I think the art's fantastic, but I just didn't find it all that engaging. And I found it to be just a wee bit too cumbersome to control on the Switch with a controller. I was playing in handheld mode. And yeah, I just, it it was not grabbing me at all. And it was a bummer because I love the look of it. I like the idea of it. I love card games like dice but just the actual act of playing it was significantly more boring than i was expecting i think they peg it as a relaxing experience but i was i guess you could say it was relaxing in that it put me to sleep multiple times my my eyelids got heavy playing this game on more than one occasion so if you want a game that'll potentially put you to sleep wingspan is that 
which which is something I don't like saying. <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. Then Arizona Sunshine is a VR zombie first person shooter that's been around for a while, but I just finally got to play it on the Quest Two, and I played about an hour of it, and I like it. You know, I, there's nothing really special about it outside of it. You know, you're going around shooting zombies scavenging for ammo there's ammo aplenty in the environment and the shooting feels pretty good whenever a zombie is rushing at me I do not like it it is very bothersome and I find that it's like harder to shoot a zombie if they're super close and if they're further away but mechanically it feels pretty good like it it is what it is like I the thing about it that I'll say that is somewhat negative is that it just isn't anything special. It's decent, but I think it's like $40. And there is a campaign, there's hard mode, they're all like, I don't know how long the campaign is. And it just have bits of voice acting, which are better than I was expecting. Like your character will speak every now and again. And it's like, oh, this doesn't sound terrible. So there's that, but like, I liked it, but I, I wouldn't be like, you need, like, this is a VR game. You have to go out and play. And I would definitely recommend waiting until it's on sale. If, I, if I'm remembering right and that it's $40. Because it just, for $40 when it comes to VR games, I want something that I'm like, man, I can't imagine playing this outside of VR. But I, like, I can 100% imagine playing Arizona Sunshine outside of a VR helmet. Because there's nothing VR-ish about it. It's just a first-person zombie game. Where you're shooting a lot of zombies. But uh, yeah. Then I have played a bit of NBA 2K21. Doing mostly pretty much only the my player mode. With it's story and all that. Which is a little funny. I did the face scan. Which I, I don't know if it looks like me at all. But whatever. But I've been enjoying it a lot. I have always enjoyed the NBA games when I do get around to playing them. I wish it was a smaller file because that's the one thing I hate about having it installed right now is it just, it takes up 100 gigabytes of the Series X's drive, which is a lot. But I I like it and I think what, because I'm not somebody who plays them every year. I don't know how it's changed over the years, but what I really like this year from the last time I got deep into the 2K series is that I feel like the the, the grading system in the my player mode where you are playing and they're like, okay, if you you know make an assist, if you make a shot or you do some good passes, take a good shot selection, blah, blah. Whenever you do something good on court, you'll get a little bonus and you'll see your grade increase. If you do something bad like a turnover or you screw up on defense or whatnot, you'll lose points. And the last time I played it, I felt like it was really really sensitive to things and would knock you way too often for like the dumbest of reasons. But it seems like they, and this may have been the case for a while now, but it seems like it is much fair. It's much more fair in terms of the way it grades you. So I like that. I don't feel like, because in the previous one, they'd be like, I'm going to, if I save an exit and then I'd return to a game and I'd be like, yep, this is some more bullshit that's just happening. Like, this doesn't make any sense. This isn't fair. And yeah, uh, I will say though, I'm currently in college. I'm playing for Gonzaga and my teammates can really suck at times. I'm like, 
there is maybe nothing more frustrating. I'm a, a point guard because I just do my basic build. So I'm five foot seven in the game, just like I'm in real life. And when I make a great pass to an open player and he misses an open shot, it infuriates me. My last game, I had nine assists and it fucking annoyed me that I was not able to get a double-double because of some old bullshit. But I enjoyed the story is fine. There's way more of it than I was expecting. I wish you had more choice in the matter. Like there is this romance now going on, but I don't really, I haven't had any choice. Not that I'm against it. She seems all right, but I'm just like, I've had two choices in the game. I think so far one was, do you want, no, I've had three choices. One, when I was injured, do you want to go in the game at 70% and risk injuring yourself more? Or do you want to go at a hundred percent for the whatever international thing you were doing in high school? And I decided to stay on the bench and not play because even though my team was losing the way they make it out is that like, you are not, at, like, there's no way in hell you're at 70% with the way you are fucking limping. Cause I also tried it and going to the match and like, when you come out in your uniform, you're fucking limping hard. So you're not just like walking out like you're just maybe like a little sore. It's like you fucking can't even fucking walk. And I was like, screw this. I'm quitting out and I'm reloading it and, and I'm not playing because this is nonsense. And then I had a choice of going to like some whatever league or college. I went to college, of course, because I said I'm at Gonzaga now and... I wonder how the romance would be different if I didn't go to college. But I, I the last choice I had was after a breakaway that just happened, I was like, what is going on? It asked me, do I want to do a one-handed dunk or like a double clutch dunk or something? And I was like, I'm five foot fucking seven, people. I can't dunk at all i shouldn't be able to like in real life i can't dunk i can grab onto the rim but that doesn't count as a dunk i mean i can kind of almost palm a basketball like i i can palm a basketball but there is no like if somebody just taps it or blows on it it'll fall out of my hands so like i could potentially dunk the ball if doing this illegal maneuver if i jumped up grabbed onto the rim had the ball in the other hand, and then brought it over and put it into the basket. But that's not a real slam dunk. But I was just looking at this option. I'm like, okay, these are both dunks, right? And maybe the double clutch was not a dunk, and I just am not versed in basketball terms, or if that was just a less showy one. Because after the game, the coach was like, you know what? Why did you, why'd you dunk like that? Who do you think you are? That you think this is all about you? You need to think about what you do before you do it because this is not a good direction for you. I'm like, fucking, I, I didn't even want to dunk in the first place. I want to just do a fucking layup. I didn't even ask for this bullshit. And there's a timer. So, like, I didn't pick anything because I'm like, fuck this shit. I don't dunk. Get out of here with this crap. And then, you know, the coach called me out and then on social media some dude was like what the fuck fucking dunking like that they need to get some more games under their belt fucking piece of shit god damn it i was so annoyed by that so yeah that was that was frustrating 
But uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it quite a bit though, despite the fact that the game forced me to dunk and then it automatically picked the showy dunk and then I just got shit on for doing it. I mean, so my teammates were like, oh yeah. And there was another person on social media who was like, yeah, cool dunk, dude. <laughs> oh my God. But then Museum Town is a documentary I saw. I got a screener for it. It is available on the Kino Marquee thing service that I guess is like partnered with various local indie theaters and stuff like that where you can stream it. Like in Chicago where I am, they are partnered with the Gene Siskel Film Center and you can stream it for $12, I believe. But it is about Mass Mocha, the Massachusetts Museum of Contemporary Art. And it's about this museum, this like largest contemporary art museum in maybe the world? But definitely like in the States, like it's, it's, it's a massive space and how it was converted from this old factory that was shut down in like the early 90s, maybe late 80s after the company had decided to move elsewhere and how this small town of North Adams, Massachusetts, which I think peaked at like 22,000 or so people and is now like at 15,000 has been affected by it and stuff like that. The problem with it is that it touches upon various aspects of the museum, like the town looking at it be like, I, I, what is contemporary art? I don't get it. You know, this is not something that I would ever want in my house, but I understand it to some extent. The potential economic help it brings, but also the way it doesn't in some cases. And the way they work with artists to create their various exhibits and, and how sometimes it's just the matter of picking out the artist's work and nailing them on the wall and stuff like that. Or in the case of the one they highlight in the movie with the artist, oh, I forget his name, but it was much more of a collaborative experience where they were working with him and deciding how things how to set things up and creating the the piece with like uh, I think there's some fascinating things there but they go over a lot and it feels like you're just reading the wikipedia page and you're not getting any real substance to any of these various aspects like I wish maybe they either focused on one thing or just got deeper with some of this stuff because I the the movie, the documentary piqued my interest. It made me want to know more about it. But when I finished it, it felt like a very hollow experience. Like I didn't really learn much of anything. I, I just learned what I could find out for myself. If I just Googled for like five minutes, I'd get all the information that the documentary gave me, which was frustrating. So it's hard to recommend because I think it it just doesn't do enough. Like if you... If it, if it was on a streaming service for free, I'd say, yeah, check it out. And if you watch it and you are interested in learning more, you know, seek out more yourself. But the documentary itself, Museum Town, just doesn't provide the viewer with anywhere near enough. And that was a bit disappointing. 
because I think I think there's some really like I personally would have really loved to have seen more of how they in the case of the the person they're working with in the in the movie how they work with the artist like I would just like to see that collaborative experience a bit more and I would like to get more of the way the museum has affected the town and how the town's people feel about it and just got I, I just want more it's I think around 80 minutes or so so it's not that meaty but it it feels the best way I can describe it is that it feels like a segment of 60 minutes or good morning America whatever that Sunday morning show is on CBS that is like 8 a.m. Central Time to 9.30 Central Time. And it feels like a 15, 20-minute segment from one of those shows, or maybe even shorter, that's been expanded into this 80-minute feature-length documentary without adding any extra substance. So it's like they just stretched out this very simplistic thing into something extra long and just dragged things out without adding any extra meat on the bones so yeah that was a bit of a letdown i was pretty excited to see it especially as an artist even though i am in the camp of not really liking a lot of contemporary art but yeah disappointment there anyway that is it for this year episode of the pixelated sausage podcast once again i am mark Krishnez. y'all can find me on twitter and Pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. This site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, Attack the Backlog, and Unamazingly Baka, all of which are available on podcast services across the globe. You can also check out the art I make on the site, and if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. And if you are celebrating the holiday, I hope you have a lovely holiday as well. So thank you again and bye.